0: Hello, welcome to the Westside podcast. This is where we'll post some of our audio from our sermons on Sunday, and we're so glad that you're here. Westside's vision is to reconcile people to God through the grace of Jesus step-by-step. Step. We hope you enjoy, and thanks for tuning in. Today, we continue our series in Genesis um and we are going to make it a couple more verses into Genesis and at this point you're wondering a 12-week series it does not seem like we are going to get all the way through the book if we go a couple verses at a time and that is a great observation we will uh we will adjust as necessary is uh what I'll say but there's there's so much in this first week um that is pertinent to our lives today to um what it means to be a faithful follower uh, today that uh, you just can't get you can't get fancier than it, you can't outsmart God with with some of these things, and when we're talking about the the way that the universe was ordered, uh, I think it's good to slow down. I was not going to preach on this today, actually; I was going to get us moving a little bit further along into the book of Genesis as would have logically made a little more sense, uh, but I felt God all week saying nope. We're going to talk about Sabbath instead. So here we are, and we're going to talk about Sabbath today. Um, I did this when we, we talked about loving your digital neighbor earlier in the, in the summer. Um, and um, I find it helpful to fairly regularly go back to the fruit of the Spirit as a sort of like litmus test for how things are. Right, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Doesn't that sound like stuff you want your life to be marked by? Yeah, it's like, I want to be, be more of that. This morning, I want us to take that list and impose on it this question. Which of these are you better at when you're tired? I I find zero on that list that I am better at. Some some get exponentially worse, right? And some are just like uh, it's just more of a non-existent rather than. But like patience, yeah, that the, the patience margin, like in general, mine is not as um, as wide as I would I would like for it to be. Um, but when the rest goes away, that. Becomes nearly impossible to, to muster. Because these aren't things that we can muster on our own. They're things that, they're the fruit of the Spirit. They're the fruit of God working in our lives. Try as we may to be a more faithful, a more gentle, more self controlled person. That's great. Uh, but it's work that God does in our life that generates these things. Which of these are we better at when we are tired? Not so much, right? I imagine if I were to ask you, um, what's, what's one or two words to describe how you're doing, maybe this week or just in general, how, how are you doing? Um, usually when I ask that question in a crowd this size, it doesn't take too long for the words tired and busy, some variation of those two words too, to come up. And that's instructive for us, right? Because that's, that's the reality of our lives. And I don't in any, any, any way today I want to say that being tired is a bad thing. No, it is not a, a bad thing. It is a very human and natural thing. The question is, where are we going to get our rest? Where are we going to do something about it? And I believe scripture has a, has, um, a whole lot to say about it. There's so much that we could um, talk about when it comes to the whole idea of Sabbath, and it would probably be a wise thing for us at some point as a congregation to think about it as a, as a discipline to take uh, seriously, and we could do a series on it or something like that. But today I just want to outline from Genesis 2 and then from a few other passages looking back at Genesis 2, what, why is this important, how is it important, and how ought it work its way into our lives. So our passage this morning is Genesis chapter 2, and these first three verses here uh, The first verse is just summing up the whole created order. Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And you might say, well, Sure, I see the logic there, but the word Sabbath isn't actually in that passage. No, true. It is in that passage. the The Hebrew word for rest, to rest, or more properly to cease, to just like stop, is Shabbat. It's Shabbat. That's where the word Sabbath comes from, and it's right here. The day that he rested, work, and he in it he rested. He stopped. God stopped. Just, just let's stop for a second and think about that. God rested. God rested. After six days of work, God was like, you know what? That was nice. That was good. I did some good stuff. God was a little bit tired, and God rested. From the opening pages of Scripture, we see Sabbath, as the rhythm of rest built into the very fabric of the universe. So for any any other reasoning that we could use uh, for, like, why we would implement Sabbath in our own life, why, why we would participate in this habit, in this discipline, we could at least point back and say that the world is set up for us to work and for us to rest. It's built into the very fabric of the universe. And we will we will prove over the course of time, we will prove this right, either by ignoring Sabbath or by participating in it. Um, so this morning, what I want to do, I want to talk about the reasoning for Sabbath from a couple of different passages. And then I want to talk about Sabbath as resistance, the resistance that Sabbath is in our particular day and age, in our culture right now. Um, It finds a way of resisting whatever culture it finds itself in. And I find that fascinating. First of all, our first reason for Sabbath is that we rest because God rests. We rest because God rests. It's a following of example. And this is what we see right away here in Exodus chapter 20. The first real reflection on God resting in the creation account comes right here and in our 10 commandments in Exodus 20 we will notice that the Sabbath day we talked about this with the image of God last week right uh, let's pay attention the most to the stuff that makes that to the stuff that gets the most real estate in a passage here the Sabbath day is the longest of all the commands a bunch of one liners and then bam here's sabbath Observe this. Remember this. We won't read the whole thing, but here's the logic that is used here in verse 11. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. God blessed a day and made it holy deities in their particular um Mindset back then, deities did not make times holy, they made places holy, and so God is kind of like um, bucking the system by making a time period holy. That's interesting. But here's, here's the logic. God worked, and then God rested. How, how could you think that you could get by in life by not following that particular example? We cannot outsmart god sabbath is it's woven into the fabric of the universe and and so if we do not slow down to take it seriously um sabbath has a way of coming for us in various ways right sometimes uh, that comes just in the form of sickness. We just go, 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 never never rest, and we just end up getting sick in a time, in a season that we normally wouldn't have gotten sick. Um, on the sports side, a stress fracture is a body saying, hey, we need a break. Tried to do too much, too fast, for too long, too soon. And the body says, ouch, stop, please. Stop, Shabbat, Sabbath, stop. There's various things that happen in our life sometimes that, that are clues to us that we haven't slowed down quite enough. Sabbath will come for us one way or another, whether we, whether we like it or not. So why don't we move towards it in an in a open-handed way? We rest because God rests. The other side of the reasoning for Sabbath is that we rest because God works. I find it so fascinating that when Moses is retelling the story of Israel, that's Deuteronomy, it's Moses just getting up and, and telling the story of Israel through a sermon. He's, he's thought back on the life of Israel and how God has worked in their life, and he's retelling that story through a slightly like, theologized lens. He's like, this is the, who I know this God to be now, and that's given me a fresh lens on, on our story, Israel. And so when he gets to the part where he's telling the Ten Commandments over again in Deuteronomy 5, listen to how the logic shifts. We just saw in Exodus 20, rest because God worked, and then he rested on the seventh day. In Deuteronomy 5, it isn't that. Verse 15 of Deuteronomy five: "Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day." You see what shifted? It's not so much, just follow God's example, because God' Sabbaths. It's, "God works on your behalf." therefore you can rest. God works when you don't, therefore you can rest. And if you don't stop and if you don't slow down to rest, you might miss that work that God is trying to do. Moses recalls the, the picture of their, of their lives. You were slaves. You were in a position that you could not do anything on your own. And that is when you experience the biggest work of God in your life. That is the reasoning he then uses it to say, go Sabbath, go be a nothing for a day. Because that's where God likes to show up. This is annoying to us, but the world keeps ticking on when we take a break. The world keeps on spinning. We, in our in our self importance, um, have a hard time with this sometimes. Like, oh, if, if I don't answer the email today, it's it's not going to happen, and the thing won't get done, and. It's it's okay. The world will keep ticking on. Sometimes I I worry when I hear the language Christians talking about, we need to build God's kingdom here. Like, that is not something that you read in scripture anywhere. Do you want to know who builds God's kingdom? It is God. God is the one building his kingdom. We get to be joyful participants in it. And that's wonderful. And that takes hard work. I don't in any way, in any way want, to hear, want you to hear today. Like, oh, I, I can just take the, pe, pe, take the foot off the gas. There it is. I, don't, I can take the foot off the gas. I don't really have to do anything. No, we should work hard. We should be tired at the end of long days where we've given it our all. But that is not the whole picture. And the bigger, more important picture is that God is building his kingdom. Will you participate in it rather than seeing yourself as the one who has to make it happen? I heard Pete Scazzaro, a pastor and author this week, say, not every invitation to advance the kingdom of God is an invitation from God. Not every invitation to advance the work of God is an invitation from God. And that is blasphemous to us, right? Especially to us Americans who are all about our productivity and accomplish the thing and move forward and bigger and better. What if bigger and better puts, takes all the margin out of our lives and ends up zapping us to a point that we end up making poor decisions in our personal lives? Not that there's an example of that anywhere that we could think of just because it's an invitation to make it bigger and better doesn't mean it's an invitation from God our bigger is better thinking um, suffers greatly just go back a couple weeks ago we were talking about it from first first Corinthians God approaches this whole thing upside down and we ought to as well there's a little bit of the reasoning for the Sabbath. Some folks, um, when we get to Jesus talking about Sabbath, overlook the fact that um, Jesus kind of assumed that Sabbath was going to be a part of our lives. Jesus says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. That is not an invitation to not practice the Sabbath, as as like basic as that sounds. But it's not something that has been particularly talked about a whole lot in in evangelicalism, at least. It's not a practice that we talk about a great deal. But Jesus says, I am that rest, and therefore you participate in me. You come experience that rest. There's a reasoning, and there's here's the other piece. Sabbath, Sabbath is resistance in our culture in, in a lot of ways. I want to just talk about two. First, Sabbath is resistance against the idol of productivity. The the idol of productivity can uh, root its way down into our, our hearts um, pretty easily today and without us recognizing it, and for a lot of different reasons, right? There's... Um, for some, for some of us, it, it's just like the desire to have more money. And we, we, If I work harder and do more things, then I will have more, and therefore I can be more comfortable. It's not a bad thing to, to work to provide for your family. It's not a, it's not a bad thing. Paul actually says like, you, you should work to have money so that you can give it away. Uh, that's Paul's reasoning for, for making money. I love that. We've missed that one maybe a little bit. But Proverbs comes right out and says, don't overwork to get rich. There's a verse that has missed the American lexicon of things that are important. Don't overwork, to, don't overwork to get rich because if the wealth finds its way into your heart, if fascination on that one thing works its way into your life, it is going to blow things up. And it will do so in a very subtle way, particularly in our society where that's just kind of the norm. Don't overwork to get rich. But also, I think maybe that is not so much the thing that we deal with. But maybe the idol of productivity finds its way into our lives when we find just our identity in the things that we accomplish. All of the to-do lists got done this week and therefore... Therefore, I earned a Sabbath. There is no earning Sabbath. Sabbath is a rhythm that comes and goes and comes and goes, and you you don't achieve it. There will always be another thing to add to the to-do list. There will always be more to accomplish. And the whole point is you were in a situation you couldn't get yourself out of, and God brought you out of it. Your life, your identity is not about what you have accomplished. Again, I want to be very clear. There there is very good reason to work long hours. There's a difference, I think, between working long hours and workaholism. Uh, I think one of the questions that we can ask—I well, think there's a couple of good questions to ask, like, "Am I a workaholic or am I just working long hours?" Like, because when God calls us to something, and like it takes—it takes effort, and it takes time, like that will consume us in, in a way. But here's a couple of questions to to diagnose whether I'm a workaholic or whether I'm just like working hard. First is can I put it down? Can I turn the email off for a bit? Can I live life without notifications for a minute? Can I not answer the phone when it's work related in the middle of a weekend apart from work hours? Can I put it down? Can I stop thinking about it and just joyfully think about literally anything else for a little bit? Can I put it down? And then, how is it affecting the rest of my life? How is it affecting relationships, family, your ability to just enjoy life at all? any of that? How does it affect the rest? if you're working long hours and like but that fits into the rhythm of your life at this time, wonderful, but if you're if all you ever do is work to the neglect of the things that God has put in your life to be responsible for the people that God has put in, into your life to be to care for that is not okay Sabbath can be a reset when we get off balance in this way the idol of pro- productivity I think becomes particularly dangerous when it comes to working, doing work for God because we can so easily excuse it away as like oh well I'm, at least this is God's work and this can be true for people in ministry, but also in any position. If I'm, do, if I'm adding extra to my life to go do this thing for God, that might be all well and good. But then our, the shift is so quick to like being the hero of that story, to us being the hero, us being the one who's doing the thing for God, rather than God's kingdom is, is growing. We are, we are so good Slash bad, at at this right at that subtle little shift. I am. I want to give my life to this work for God. Awesome, so that I can be known for it. Not awesome, not great. It's a subtle shift, but it's an important one, and one that we ought to be cognizant of. Because Sabbath is re- resistance against the idol of productivity. It's also resistance against making ourselves the center of the universe, which is often what we are up to. It's not purely what we are up to, but sometimes it's what we are up to when we are adding stuff to our our lives that is good stuff for God. It's more often that we we like the credit for it, making ourselves the center of our our universe. I've noticed... Um, that making yourself the center of the universe is something that particular generations like to, it's an insult, they like to lob at other generations. Young folks like to see the way that old folks do this and older folks like to see the way that young folks are doing this. Um, and that is a really convenient way of completely missing the point and realizing that it's a temptation for each of us, Right? Any any accusation you make against another, that's a good sign that it's something that's probably going wrong in our own hearts. And this is one of them. Sabbath is resistance against making ourselves the center of everything that's going on and re-centering ourselves on the one who is actually making it happen. Sabbath is difficult because it's a concerted time away or off or down. It it doesn't fit super well with our natural rhythms unless you've made it a habit over the years. If you have, then you've experienced the benefits of this. If you haven't, it, it might be difficult to start to implement. And we'll talk about what it looks like to maybe work this into our lives. But I want to say this. Observing Sabbath is a step of faith. I think it is one of the most important steps of faith that we can take as individuals, but also as communities. Because it is saying, I can back off and trust that the thing will still get done. I can trust that God is still going to move. Observing the Sabbath is a a step of faith. And a group of people, lest we think this is a purely individual thing. You can't actually Sabbath super well as, as just like an, uh, on an island. It takes, it takes a group. It takes a community. So a group of people who takes this seriously will create margin for God to work in ways that confound human sensibilities. This ought to be energizing for us as a community. As we think about people who learn to rest well together, There is then more margin that is created in our lives just in general. Like, oh, I'm more loving, joyful, peaceful, that whole list. There's more of that working its way into my life. But also, there's more room for me to see God doing the things that I wouldn't have seen otherwise because I was too busy to notice. Think about a group of people taking that seriously or if we were to build off of last week, who take the image of God seriously and then go and rest well together. Doing this on an island is one thing, but to do this together with other people who are bought in, I'd like to see what that community looks like. I would like to see it. So you might be thinking at this point, okay, (laughs) how? I don't have 24 hours in my schedule to to make this happen, or I've got got little kids, and there's like no such thing as a moment of rest when I'm. <coughs> I've read stories, as not from experience or anything. Um, I I think it's important to note. I, I think there is something to the the 24 hour period, and really trying to to. Take that much of a break. I don't think it has to be super strict. I don't think it has to look maybe the way that it does in our brains all the time. I would start with questions like this: What brings me delight? Uh, Sabbath is not a like a step back. It's not a um, retreating from life. It's not just like a lazy like day on the back. It, it's, a, it's a day of engaging in God's good and beautiful and perfect world. God's good and beautiful stuff that he's put into our lives. Are you interested in something? Do you get to do that thing that is interesting to you during the week when you're busy? No. Go, go participate in that. A Sabbath is about engagement and participation as much as it is rest. It is about rest and sometimes a holy nap is what comes to us in the afternoons, and we praise the Lord for that. <laughs> Professor D.A. Carson used to tell his seminary students, one of the holiest things that you can do is just take a nap. So rest ought to be part of it, but it's also about engagement, purposeful engagement. If you're an artist and you don't ever get to like have a creative outlet, like that is something you need to prioritize. Like there's something about your soul that is made whole when you are doing and making and, and creating. Sabbath is about finding time to go do that thing. Maybe it's a hike. It's, it, it should involve some time outside. I'm, I'm a little bit of a stickler on that. Like I, I do think the more that we can be outside, the more quickly we reset and remember what is important. If we do it with the right eyes there, there's so many ways that we could talk about this how do I reduce screens for a particular amount of time how do I turn off notifications for a little bit but the bigger question is how do I purposefully participate in God's good and beautiful world what, what's a what's a meal that you want to eat that takes a little little bit of time to prep or if like prep sounds like anti-Sabbath to you, then don't <laughs> prep it the day before. Sometimes it takes extra work to Sabbath well. There there is something to that. Or uh, I have a handful of of close friends in my life, and I really do consider Papa Murphy to be one of them. Like Pop, Papa Murphy's, like you throw that thing in the oven, and like there's nothing but like just goodness and worship coming out, and. Uh, I want to be clear. This is not about adding one more thing to your life. This is not about an extra rule to, to feel like you're adding to the burden of, of your life. You, you may look at that fruit of the Spirit list and think, oh, I am tired and I'm not doing any of those particularly well right now. Or there's some, that, some of those that are struggling right now. And I want I want you to hear that Jesus is not like frustrated with that. Jesus is not disappointed with that. Instead, Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and you will find rest for your souls." Stop, stop. Or as, the, as God says in the Psalms, be still and know that I am God. There is a huge aspect of the nature of God that we will not know until we slow down. He is the God who walks. We find him walking in the garden. We find Jesus walking from place to place. Go the pace of Jesus, and you will encounter him in a new way. This is not about adding something to your life. This is an invitation to the, ones to the one who says, bring your tired, I've got this. Jesus is very interested in your weariness. He cares a lot about it. And he knows, and I think deep down we know, that the only place that we find that rest that restoration, fulfillment, satisfaction, the only place we're going to get it, is by bringing the tired to Jesus and saying, I I trust you enough to take a considerable part of my week off and just trust that you're going to keep doing your thing, God. I trust that. If God is confident enough to take a day off in the very first week of the universe, should that not be a little bit instructive for us that we need that as well? Give yourself grace with this as you as you try to implement it. But I would I would encourage you. What is some like concrete thing you can do? What is one specific, one like tangible thing to make rest a regular rhythm in your life? Not a tack on, but like a a, a true like spirit-filled engagement with the goodness of the world? What rest can you pursue and make a regular part of your life? I think you will find um, some life on the other side of that decision. So, let's leave that there. Uh, Band, I'm gonna ask you to come on up. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and uh, this morning we get a a way to actually get our bodies up and come straight to Jesus by by taking communion. Paul, Paul says it this way in in First Corinthians eleven. It says, "For I received from the Lord what I also passed on." You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. To take the elements this morning is a reminder of the importance of this yielding of faith, yielding of what we think to be important to the one who holds us no matter what. So over the course of this song, you can come on up, take the elements. The prayer team is going to be over here. If you feel like uh, there's something in particular God's stirring in your heart, you can chat with them, pray with them. Uh, you can talk with me afterwards. Talk with anybody on our staff. I hope we'd love to talk with you. Um, I I pray that God works in your heart individually, but also within us as a community, that we begin to be folks who collectively take God's summons to rest seriously. Let's worship through communion.